0: You are listening to the Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at LifeChurchIn.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Derek Lopez. Alright, so uh, recap a little bit of what has happened. David, he's on the throne, he's king. Um, but it comes to a point where David sins, he met he he decides to make a decision. Uh, he he commits adultery, and then he ends up murdering uh, this woman's husband to cover his sin. And then Nathan the prophet comes, maybe a year or so after, and he says to David, "Hey, uh, there were two people. Uh, one of them took a lamb that belonged to the other, and ended up killing it. And so David David is convicted by this story." And he says, this man will die, and Nathan says, you're the man. So what the prophet Nathan does is he tells this story, and it arouses the conscience of King David so that King David understands that, that he's been in the wrong, and he's been that person, and he deserves to die. So because of all of this, fasting forward a little bit, because of how David raised his family, because of how he modeled things, because of how he sinned, it ends up bringing destruction in David's household as an effect. And so David has two sons. He has has multiple sons, but one of his sons' name is Amnon. Amnon ends up raping his half-sister Tamar, we see, which is extreme. It's not saying that it's okay. God says it's wrong. It's just the narrative of what happened historically. And so this happens. So then David's other son sees that that his father's doing nothing about his son Amnon and what his son does, and he doesn't bring justice. So Absalom decides, I'm going to bring justice into my own hands, and he ends up killing his brother Amnon. So Absalom commits this sin, and he ends up leaving and hiding in Gesher with his grandfather, because his mom was a princess, and they had, they had an agreement. So he went back to his grandfather uh, for protection, And so, but David didn't go after his son. We find at the end of chapter 13, he let his son remain there in Geshur. So moving on to chapter 14, it says, Joab, son of Zeruiah, knew that the king's heart longed for Absalom. So Joab, he is, I've mentioned this before, but he's the commander of David's army he is a mighty man. He is a strong man. He's a great general. He actually never loses a battle in Scripture. And so he's this mighty man of authority, and he, he sees how the king is responding to the situation, and he decides to act on it. But it says that the king's heart longed for Absalom. And a better translation is that he, he thought about his son, he thought about what was going on. He, he thought about how his son was there. And, and I kind of think about it like this, that David pondered, okay, I can't just have my son come back because I want to look like I'm just. I can't just have my son. I, 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 he can't just come back in a full relationship. So he's pondering the situation. And think about it like this. If you had two sons who are full grown and one of them financially ruins the other son, What do you do in that relationship? Do you act like everything's okay at Thanksgiving? Because everything's definitely not okay. Definitely if one of them kills the other, like how do you even see, how do you even look your son in the face again? And so he has this this issue and he doesn't know how to handle it. So he goes to a point where Absalom understands and but the thing about Absalom is Absalom is one of the most complicated characters in Scripture. Because on one side of the coin, Absalom is very much, he's loyal to Davi, David. David, he, he has been a friend to David. He's been with David in caves. He's been on the run with David. He's had his back. But on the other hand, david David also as well, excuse me, or, or, I'm sorry, Ab, Joab also is very, he's very cunning and he's very ruthless. And so Joab, remember, he kills a man. He kills the man who could be the future commander uh, in his seat. And so Joab kills this man because his brother was killed by him in war, but he kills this man in cold blood, not in war, not okay. And so so Joab he sees that things aren't okay, and he, he decides to make a move. Hey, I'm going to try to restore this relationship. And I think that there's several benefits for Joab, whether Joab knew it or not. I think benefit number one, it's clear in that first verse, he knew that the king's heart longed for his son Absalom. So what he does is, is he understands, hey, I see the king every day. He sees him every day downcast. And I don't think Joab likes that. I think Joab doesn't want to be around someone who's mopey. And I think he actually genuinely cares for his king. And so Joab is like, I think I can amend this. I think I can make this so that the king's heart is happy again. I think we'll put David back, it will put David back to normal. I want I want my uncle back. I want my king back. And so that's benefit number one. Benefit number two, Joab. Like I said before, he did kill a guy. And I think that, when I think about it, I think Job probably thought, okay, if the king will allow his son to remain banished, what's going to keep him from remembering my sin and being just in my situation? Hey, <laughs> we got to fix this. And the third point, the third thing that I think that that's a benefit to him is that I think that he doesn't trust Absalom. And you know the phrase keep your friends close but keep your enemies closer? I think that Absalom believes that. I think he knows, hey, he's a good-looking man. He is a politician. There's a little bit of a allure just so you know he's been gone for 2 years and the nation of Israel there's a little bit of a of a he's a little bit of a celebrity or an anti-hero because he 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 gave justice when justice should have been given. And so there's a little bit of a, a heroic uh, facade built around Absalom. And he knows that he's wise of the words. I think he just wants to keep an eye on Absalom. Joab wants, wants to be able to know and see what he's doing. And so he decides, I'm going to move on with the plan So in verse 2, it says, So Joab sent someone to Tekoa. Tekoa is just 10 miles south of Jerusalem. And had a wise woman brought from there. And he said to her, Pretend that you are mourning. Dress in your mourning clothes. Don't use any cosmetic lotions. Act like a woman who has spent many days grieving for the dead. Then go to the king and speak these words to him. And it says, And Joab put the words in her mouth. So Joab, he, I'm sure that he did go to David at some point, because later on we see in Scripture that David says, isn't Joab at the hand of all of this? Isn't he the one who, who had you come bring the story? But I think that, that he, he didn't go right to him because I think he knew his king well enough. Remember, once again, he's been in caves with him. He's been on the run with him. He's been in battles with him. He's fought with him. He knows how he thinks. He's from the same family. Who knows that some people don't understand. You don't understand family unless you're in the family, right? And so he understands the king, and I think that he he starts to think very carefully about how How am I going to make this thing happen to bring restoration? And so I think he remembers, hey, remember Abigail, who is now one of David's wives? Remember how she bowed down before him and pleaded for mercy? And how David gave mercy to this woman when he was going to go kill her husband and the whole family? And how she, she squelched his anger? I think maybe we should send a woman. And I think also it could be possible that he says, well, the prophet Nathan gave a story that ended up convicting David. And I wonder if I can come up with a story as well. And I, so I think he knows, he sees, because he's been in foxholes with this man, that he can, he can manipulate in a way to get, to get his David's son back whether he realizes it or not. So it says in verse four, when the woman of Tekoa went to see the king, she fell with her face to the ground and paid honor to him and said, help me your majesty. So picture this, it's an old woman who comes probably with ashes on her head in her mourning clothes, maybe torn to a degree. And she's saying, please help me. I need your help. And so you can see how the king, he can long for justice for her, even in that moment, because who likes to hear a woman cry and wail? No one. We don't want to see that. We We don't want her to have that pain. We don't want people to have that pain, right? We don't want people to be hurt. We want people to be healed in Jesus' name. So the king says, what is troubling you? And she said, I am a widow, and my husband is dead. Remember, this is fictitious that she's saying. But she says, I am a widow, and my husband is dead. I, your servant, had two sons. They got in fight with each other in a field, and no one was there to separate them. One struck the other and killed him. Now the whole clan has risen up against your servant. They say, hand over the one who struck his brother down so that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. Then we will get rid of the heir as well. And she said, they would put out the only burning coal I have left, leaving my husband neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. This whole time she's crying. And I can see David almost in a way how I read it, almost like dismissing her. It says, Then the king said to the woman, Go home. And I'll issue an order on your behalf. But she presses. But the woman from Tekoa said to him, Let my lord, the king, pardon me and my family. And let the king and his throne be without guilt. So she's saying, hey, give me mercy. I need mercy here. But she's also saying, may you be without guilt. She's saying, may you be without blame but i would say she didn't have any power or right to give that you know it's always a red flag when somebody tries to promise or give something to you that they have no right authority or power to give that's a sign of manipulation possible sign of manipulation and so she's she's not getting what she wants so she changes tactics just a little bit and what's also interesting is she say may May his throne be without guilt, but what we'll see is that she's trying to use guilt against David's conscience. So what she's saying is already a lie, it's just not found out yet. And even in the story, Joab's story really, is Joab wants David to rule on something that's against the law. Remember, Absalom's not a judge, and he killed his brother. And so there was was a way that God made for someone to be restored to the nation of Israel. It was called called the city of refuge. In Numbers 35, what God said is that, that if someone kills somebody else on accident, they can flee to this city called the city of refuge to keep them safe from the avengers of blood. And in the city of refuge, the city council will come and hear the case of the person who's the murderer. And then they'll decide whether the person is guilty or not. But if they did kill them, they will be put to the death if they if they didn't do it, if it wasn't just an accident. And so there is, there is that law. But Job wants him to go against that, and he believes that it's, I think, the, it's for the good of the nation of Israel. And so... Verse 10 says, The king replied, If anyone says anything to you, talking back to the woman again, bring them to me, and they will not bother you again. And she said, Then let the king invoke the Lord his God and prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction so my son will not be destroyed. So what she does is, when she doesn't get what she wants, She's just changing tactics. Who knows what that's like as a parent? You had people change tactics on you? You know, usually what happens is if we say no to one of our kids, and they've all been through this, but, but if we say no, they respond with, but I want it. It's mine. I want it. I want it. I want it. And when they see that's not working, then they turn to sulking. Hmm. <laughs> I asked our daughter Sadie, who's three, mind you, to keep an, keep that in perspective. But she's sulking because I said no about something, and I said, "Sadie, do you want some apples? No. Do you want some bread? No. Sadie, do you want some candy? No. Strong-hearted kid, right? Like." You don't want candy? Why? She's really, really upset. But we're still going to say no because this is good for her. Let's crucify the flesh. And then that turns into asking again, please, please, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And my girls do this. Not all of them, but some of them go, (laughs) bat their eyes. One of them was batting their eyes at me for something they wanted. And my oldest daughter spoke up and said, hey, that doesn't work on dad. (laughs) Or she said, that's not what works on dad, is what she said. And I said back to her, well then what does work on me? And she just smiled. (laughs) So something works, I don't know what it is. I asked her the other day and she's like, I don't remember, I don't know. Lie-er. <laughs> and then what they'll do, what kids will do, is they'll, they'll throw it on the other parent. And my little kids are not very smart at this, because my little, little ones, because they, they will say at like 8 in the morning, I say, you can't have that chocolate. And they say, but mom said I could eat it. And I'm like, mm, it's 8 a.m., I don't think your mom approved chocolate. I would approve chocolate before your mom would approve chocolate at 8 a.m. Or they'll, they'll try to pin the parents against the other. Well, mom said this or mom said that. Or they'll go, to the, they'll go to the other parent, right? That's what I really mean. They'll go to the other parent and say, is it okay if I do this? Josie and I, we've gotten in fights about that. I told them no. Well, I didn't know. Well, why would you say yes? Couldn't you clearly see that it was not Okay right? May we be united against our children in the name of Jesus. May they not divide us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're unified. Pray for unity. May we be one as you, Father, are one against these little, these little children. It's like they go to bed at night and then they plan, right? Hey, how can we get the old man off? That's what I think happens. I forget the comedian, but he said that would happen where he's like, I believe that they're just planning, they're throwing Legos on the ground, so I'll step on them at nighttime. <laughs> let's, let's hurt that old man real good tonight, you know? Let's leave a little bomb here for him to step on barefoot. But anyways, that's not the point. But, but she just, she keeps, and we all do that. We've done that throughout our life. We see kids do it, and this is what she's doing. She's changing tactics Anytime someone changes a tactic with you, it's a sign to say, hey, I should question what the motive is behind this. Just like if you go on a car lot to buy a car, right? They'll change tactics. And so we want to be wise with people. We want to be harmless as doves, but wise as as serpents, but harmless as doves, excuse me. Like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. And so we, we want to be we wanna be people who who we're, we're careful about what we say and we're careful who we listen to. What I want you to see is is that is that that we should be we should be careful who we listen to and not allow somebody to pin us against the word of God. And no, I think it's interesting too that she says, then invoke the Lord. Sometimes people will throw things on the Lord. For their own selfish gain. And she uses this phrase. She says the avenger of blood. And I mentioned that before. That tells me that she knows the way that God made. For there to be restoration. She knew the law. But she doesn't want the law to apply to her situation. That's important for you all to remember. Is that this woman doesn't want the law applied in her situation. But David he is. He is she's coming to him as the king and the judge so like here today we have a supreme court and we have an executive branch well he had both of those but what david did not have is he did not have the legislative branch that we have he didn't have authority over that because the law was already written the law of moses was given so david couldn't just make make up laws and rules It's important that we don't allow others to sway us from the word. It's important that we don't listen to crafty people, but to wise people. And that we pray before we make a life-altering decision. This was a life-altering decision for somebody. And so when someone comes and they press you, and they press you, and they press you to make a decision, I would say it's probably not from God. You know why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no? Anything beyond this is from the evil one. So if someone presses you, let me give you some advice. Sleep on it. And if they give you an, ulti- if they give you an ultimatum that's not centered in righteousness, you know, an ultimatum centered in righteousness is like, hey, you have to quit drinking. If you don't quit drinking, you can't live here, right? That's a good thing. But an ultimatum that's bad, if you don't give me my way, if you don't accept me as I am and as what I want come on, somebody. If you don't accept me how I want, how I want to live, I can live in my life, however I live, then you're against all of me. I would say that if someone gives you an ultimatum like that, it's demonic. It's straight- up evil. And that's what's happening in, in the culture today is it's, it's a demonic. It's, there are certain sins, not all sins, but there are certain sins that say, if you disagree with my sin, then you disagree with my identity. Because they've placed their identity in that sin. But we don't place our identity in sin. We place our identity in what, what God did on the cross so that we wouldn't have to carry our sin. Amen, everybody? James nine says, My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We want to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. And David said to her, As surely as the Lord lives, he said, Not one hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. And so David, he's painted into a corner, and he doesn't know it, but I think he does know to a degree that this is about Absalom, because he does say, not one hair of your son's head, because Absalom had that luscious hair, Fabio, back in the day, I don't know, he, he, he was, he was, he had long hair, he would cut it every year, because it weighed too much, and the the hair they would cut, they would weigh, and it'd be about five pounds, that's some thick hair. But anyways, that's not the point. I think David does know to a degree it's about Absalom. And he's painted into this corner. And so he he will let someone be free from justice who he doesn't know, and but he won't let his very son, his own flesh and blood, be free from justice. So it looks like he's not a just judge because the relationship of David to Absalom wasn't only father and son was only king but but he, he it's king and subject right and he has to look at it like that so then the woman says let your servant speak a word to my lord the king and I could see Joab grinning and he says speak he replied the woman said, then why have you devised such a thing, how harsh this is, then why have you devised such a thing against the people of God when the king says, does he not convict himself? For the king has not brought back his banished son. Man, that's bold for her to say to the king. But remember, he's painted into a corner. She's using the story to, guilt, to bring guilt against his conscience. Now, remember the story that's different with pro- the prophet Nathan is, is he uses a story to bring repentance by arousing David's conscience. So you see the difference? So the guilt trip, it begins and, and, and she says that David, you'll be hurt from this and the kingdom will be hurt and you're hurting God's people and you're making yourself look bad. You don't have mercy on your own son. You don't look like a good ruler. Verse 14, she says this, and there's truth in this. She says, like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. Now what she's saying, picture if there's a cup of water on the ground, and it's knocked over, or Coke, big gulp, 32 ounce, whatever, 64 ounce. It's knocked on the ground, can't be recovered. You can't get all the water, you can't re- collect all the drink back into the cup because it's spilled out. And so she's saying, once your life is spent, that's it. You can't have the relationship restored. And she continues, and she says, but that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises a way so a banished person does not remain banished from him. So that, there's truth in that. That God does devise a way, and he did devise a way, which is through the sacrifice of animals back in that time because it was the old covenant. Thank God for the new covenant because Jesus knew no sin. He became sin for us. But God did devise a way. So she's saying that her first story, remember, she says, "I I don't want the law but then here she pins the law against him and says but but God made a way and pins the law against him but she doesn't quote it she doesn't quote the law she just mentions a principle in scripture it's a blanket statement and i would be careful anytime someone makes a blanket statement because there's they're they're hiding some stuff And sometimes when someone comes to me, I kind of gauge, what are the intentions is the question I ask. I'm probably more suspicious of people than I should be. (laughs) But when someone comes with the principle of God's word, or they come with God's word, Jesus modeled for us what we should do. When Satan said, if you cast yourself down, the word says that his angels will take command over you so you won't strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus says, but it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Right? Someone comes with scripture, we need to be prepared and ready to say, but it is also written. She says, that's not what God wants, but it is also written that they sh- he should go to the city of refuge. But it is also written that he should pay the price for his crime. It is also written to the judges in the land at that time that that it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was the law. She didn't want that in her own situation, but she, she paints it for her own favor, for Joab's favor, really. Verse 15 says, Now I come to say this word to my lord the king because the people... Have made me afraid. And your servant thought I will speak to the king. Perhaps he will grant his servant's request. Perhaps the king will agree to deliver his servant from the hand of the man who is trying to cut off both me and my son from God's inheritance. Timeout. There's a problem with that right there. My son from God's inheritance. You know why? They're not going to cut off what will be the inheritance of this son. He cut it off. I've been in situations where I've had to have conversations with people. Sit down and have conversations with people who are serving at churches. And I've had to say, because you've, did, you've done this thing, you can't serve for X amount of time at the church. And sometimes the response I get back, I know it's not a repentant heart. Because they'll say, you're, making, you're taking this from me. And I say, no, I'm not taking anything from you. You took it away from yourself. Because God's word is clear, and if you're not following God's principles, He has a a policy in place so that, that we get things back on track. But other times, it's so different, it's so amazing how people are. Because other times, I've had that conversation, and people will weep. And say, I'm so sorry. It wasn't to hurt them, it wasn't a fun conversation, right? It's just important that we understand So, going back to verse 17, it says, Now, your servant says, May the word of my Lord the King secure my inheritance, for my Lord the King is like an angel of God discerning both good and evil. May the Lord your God be with you. Man, she's really laying it on him now. You discern things like an angel of God. Have you ever had anybody around you who just They just kiss up to you, right? Suck up to you. Can I say that in church? It's like, have you ever had someone put their arm on you? And it's almost like you get like a sleazy feeling. Have you ever had that? Am I crazy? It's not just me, right? But other times people put their arm around you and it's like you, it's like, it's almost like you feel the love of the Father, It's so interesting how real the spirit realm is. I just, man, I hate people who, they, they're just, they're saying things not from their heart. They're saying it for their own game. Verse 18 says this, then the king said to the woman, he says, do not keep me from the answer that I'm going to ask you. I see that command, don't keep me from what I'm going to ask. And she says, let the Lord my king ask, the woman said. And he said, isn't this the hand of Joab with you in all of this? And the woman answered, as surely as you live, my Lord the king, no one can turn to the right or to the left from anything the Lord the king says. Yes, it was your servant Joab. She just like pushes him under the bus. It's Joab. Bam. She's trying to save her skin. I I feel bad for her in a way because she was put up to this. Who instructed me to do all this, who put all of these words into the mouth of your servant. And your servant Joab did this to change the present situation. My Lord has the wisdom like that of an angel of God. He knows everything that happens in the land. Like ugh, just somebody, just, ugh, I want to hear that, it's not true, he doesn't know everything that happens, it's just, mm. and the king said to Joab, very well, I will do it, go and bring back the young man Absalom, Joab fell with his face to the ground to pay honor to him, and he blessed the king, Joab said, today your servant knows that he has found favor in your eyes, my lord the king, because the king has granted his servant's request. It says, Then Joab went to Gesher and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said, He must go to his own house and he must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and he did not see the face of the king. You know, David, he doesn't completely restore the relationship with Absalom. And you know, The question I had in all of this was: the plan of Joab was it wisdom? And sometimes that's the question we need to ask ourselves when we're faced with with a decision. It looks right, it sounds right, but is it wise? So what happens is? Let me say this first: Absalom should have been banished. He should have remained banished. But when he restores Absalom, he says it's only to a degree. So what it communicates to Absalom is, hey, Absalom, you can't see me. You're not part of the family. You're no longer heir to the throne, and you're dead to me, basically. That's what Absalom, I could see he's feeling. He already has a chip on his shoulder from his brother Amnon. He's still not over that wound of what happened to his sister and the wound of how his father did nothing before and so David, what he's feeling is, what do I do? I'm trapped in my own words. If I restore him, I, I can't, what will people think if he's in front of me? Or how can, I, how can I see my son's face and look him in the eyes and love him the same like I loved him before? This wasn't wisdom to bring Absalom back. And the relationship because it's not fully restored, it either need to be cut off or fully restored. Because it's not fully restored, it will lead to a place where Absalom is dead hanging from a tree and him having tried to take the kingdom over. This wasn't wisdom. We have to remember that when someone tries to pin us against God and God's ways, it's not wise. We, 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 we can't come to a place where we say, well, it's okay in this... Exception. It's okay here. It's okay to, to watch a little bit of this stuff. It's okay to act this way. It's okay to just, tr- it's, it's better for one die than my family perish. We, we can't make exceptions for Scripture because even though we don't understand, the Bible says is that his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And also says that the, the strength of man is weakness to God, and the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. Why? Because he sees everything. He's he's El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. He knows all. He sees all. So David, he makes the exception to justice. If Absalom remained banished, there wouldn't have been a civil war that happened. And look, there are some relationships that we have that And this may sound controversial. There are some relationships that we have that should not be fully restored. And there are some relationships that need to stay exiled because of abuse. And how we know whether the relationship should be restored or not is not on your own decision. It's based on the word, but it's also based, I would say, on godly counsel. Because if oh, how many times does a woman let a man come back in who beats her over and over and over again? Because she loves the man. She sees potential in the man. She just keeps going back to the same thing over and over and over and over again. God doesn't want that for you. Come to the church. We'll put our arms around you. Right? There's some relationships I keep, I keep far Because they'll hurt me, but they won't hurt me. They'll hurt my kids. And they're innocent in this. And even though I can handle that individual, my kids can't. It's justice. Even though it may hurt, I have a relationship I would like to restore. But I can't restore that relationship fully. Because if I do, it's opening the door back up. For a cycle of something that was stopped in Jesus' name. Amen, Amen, everybody? Look, it doesn't mean we don't forgive that individual. We have to let go. Jesus said you have to let go. At the same level you forgive, I'll forgive you. Man, I went off the hook. So I've got to lay that down. The person who hurt me and look maybe you i'm not saying this as a fact but maybe you're in the situation where where you've been on the other coin of that where you've been the one who's hurt and you've made bad decisions bad mistakes there's some things you can do you can reach out but really you have to have a repentant heart and a change of heart and you only get that by getting close to jesus and to pray for those, pray for those loved ones that you did hurt. Or the person that you did, that you did harm. Scripture says once again to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. We have to remember that those that hurt Jesus, Jesus prayed for them. He said, My father, my father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he prayed for you and I. Worship team, if you could come on forward. Come on up. You know, I think about, I think about it like this. Even if David could have fully restored Absalom, I, I don't think he had full right or power to do so. David could have said, he could have said, look, Absalom, if you admit that what you did was wrong, if you're sorry, if you turn from your ways, if you submit to the kingdom, and, and David, the thing that you did wrong will be on me. And I'll take it. I'll take the blame. But I, I don't think David could have fully done that because only Jesus could. Justice still wouldn't be Justified. I'm sorry, justice still wouldn't be satisfied. But you know what God says? He says that if you and I, we admit what we did was wrong, and we say we're sorry, and we submit to the kingdom, we believe in him, justice is satisfied because John chapter 3 says to everyone who believes upon him, the wrath of God remains on Jesus. It remained on Jesus in that moment. So what happened was, in history, when Jesus was on the cross, the cross became the place throughout all of history that ever will happen, ever has happened. It was the place where there, it was the most sinful place of all time. Because Jesus never knew sin. So he was one who was innocent. And he paid a price that you and I couldn't pay. And he lived a life that you and I couldn't live. And he, he, he died the death we should have died. So that justice would be satisfied. The wrath of God be satisfied like that old song says. So what happened was when Jesus was on the cross and he cries out, Eli, Eli, la sabata, la sabata my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God actually banished his son. He would let him remain banished. Why? Because Jesus, and this is going to sound controversial, but it's true because the scripture says he became sin for us. Jesus became the most sinful person in all of humanity for a moment of time when he did no wrong so that we would be justified. What does justified mean? Just as if I never sinned. Praise God. It's important that we remember that the heart of our father is always for us. David didn't pursue Absalom, but what's so good is your father pursued you, and he pursues you, and he wants to be with you, and he's still pursuing you. There are some relationships that we need to pray about and ask the Lord to help us forgive and ask if we should, to give us wisdom whether we should restore that relationship or not fully. But I would say we can't do any of that. If you don't know Jesus, you can't walk in forgiveness. You can't walk in healing. You can't walk in love. And you have to allow Jesus to truly submit to the king. Absalom, when he came back, it wasn't the prodigal son who returned. But it was the murderer who wasn't. He, didn't, he, didn't, he said, I didn't do anything wrong. We have to come to a place where we say, it starts with, I did it, it was me, I'm the one, I sinned, I was the one who was wrong. That's what it starts with, is recognizing our sin. That's why the cross at Calvary, that's why that symbol is the most hated symbol in the world, is because it confronts our selfishness in our ways. Will you submit to the king's ways? You don't need to be banished because God banished his one and only son for you in your stead. And we all deserve to be banished. But he wants every single one of us with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room. I want to pray for those of you who need wisdom today. Of how to restore relationship. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.